Welcome to season four of the podcast, A Voice for the Hurting. This season is dedicated entirely to the divorced Christian. If this is you, then keep listening to hear more of my own story and the stories of others as we give you hope and comfort for healing, true healing, which is found only at the foot of the cross. Hey there. Hello. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Good. Can you, do you hear my dryer in the background per chance? I do not. Okay, good. You know, there's a zipper. I keep hearing it every so often. And I'm like, mm, I may have to go turn that dryer off if it's making a racket. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I cannot hear it. So. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> good. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm glad it's Friday. Me too. <laughs> yeah. This time change did something to me this time. It's not a lack of sleep, but everything just feels off. Like I'll think, oh, it's, I should be ready to eat dinner. And I look and it's 8 PM and I'm like, yeah. oh, my <laughs> I hate the time change. I hate it. I wish they pick one and just stick to it already. I know. I know. Oh, oh how about you? How was your week? Um, pretty much the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When honestly, we're all on the tail end of fighting yet another thing going around. I, ever since my two-year-old went to daycare, we've been getting all, all the things. This is, yeah. It's a peach. Which is just in January. Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember those days. Oh my God. That was never fun when we'd all get flu or the bug or crud or right <laughs> all the things. And now you never know if it's COVID, if it's a cold, AIDS. if it's the flu, if it's asthma. I mean, it all so drama. It is. <laughs> yeah, that's a it's enough drama. Episode. The drama can go away. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So what what do you want to how do you want to do this? You just tell so me yes. I'm at your disposal. So. What I usually like to do is I'll do a quick introduction of you. Um, how do you want me, like, do you have a title you want me to say? So I know you're Mary Hess and we're going to talk about your divorce and heart healing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, you can, you can just um, say that I am a, um, I'm a pastor and a podcaster. I mean, my husband and I pastor together. So if you want to just say that, you can do that. Okay. And then I have the podcast on the back 40 podcast. So you can mention that if you want, you don't have to, no big deal. Okay. <laughs> if I don't remember to, at the beginning, um, you, I give you a chance at the end to tell people where to find. Oh, you. great. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. fine. Perfectly fine. Yeah. I don't care. It's, I'll probably save thing. it for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. And then, so, um, I'll give you a chance to tell your story and then I like the kind of conversational. So I might pipe in and ask a yeah. question in there and we'll go and see, see where the spirit leads it. So, okay. Sounds great. Yeah. Awesome. So. Um, if you're ready, we can jump right in. Sounds good. All right. So today it is my pleasure to introduce Mary Hess. She is a pastor and fellow podcaster, and we're going to talk today about her divorce story and about heart healing. Yeah. So hello, Mary. Hi, how are you? I'm doing wonderful today. <laughs> good, good. Thankful it's uh thankful for the end of another week. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, um, so go ahead and tell us about your story. What, yeah. what brought you to the point of going through a divorce? Absolutely. So um, just for context, I am currently right now, 51 years old. So my divorce happened um, when I was 27. Um, I got married when I was 19 and um, we, um, you know, it was, uh, it's, it's really sometimes hard to put in words. Obviously I was 19 <laughs> and yes. as much as I felt like in the moment I was a grown adult, um, looking back now, having two kids of my own, I freak out whenever I think of them making major life decisions at the age of 19, you know, <laughs> times are different. I get it, but it like, I look back and I'm like, well, my parents got married at 18 and 19. I got married at 19 you know, that was a thing we did. Um, I grew up in a very rural area and, you know, everybody got married. They had kids. Some people moved away, some didn't. Um, but right out of high school, you know, we, 
would go to college and or get married. It just depended on what was going on. But I really grew up thinking that if I didn't get married before I was like, I don't know, 21, 22 years old, I was going to be an old maid because I didn't know a lot of people who waited right past that age. So that was my normal. Um, and, um, so we, my family and I very much were involved in our, our church, um, still am very involved in church. I am a believer. I love Jesus and all, all the things. Um, but I was in a very strict, um, Pentecostal background. And so we grew up and we had very strict teachings on marriage and divorce and remarriage. And so I grew up believing that when you, which you should, when you get married, you get married for life. Yes. Yes. There is we no, should, there should is no take it else. seriously. We yes. should take it because it is a huge commitment. It is a lifelong covenant that we're making with someone. Um, and I do believe I do believe personally that divorce is a sin, that God never intended it to be that way, but he, he did allow for it right. Um, in the old Testament with Moses, he allowed for it because the people were grumbling and complaining. Yeah. Um, so we, we know those things. I believe those things, but I don't believe it's an unforgivable sin or an unpardonable it, sin yes. or a perpetual sin, meaning yes. that I'm constantly in this state of sinning. So. Um, I married a traveling evangelist that came into town. I, I, I knew him. We, we, back then, this would have been in the er, the late eighties, early nineties. Um, their social media didn't exist yet. Um, cell phones didn't exist yet. So we wrote letters, actual snail mail, uh, because he traveled, he was from South Carolina and I lived in Kentucky. Um, he traveled and I tried, I tried to like him in the beginning and I didn't. And so we kind of broke it off. I was like, meh, I'm not really attracted to you. Um, but you know, there was a part of me that was so afraid of being alone. And my dad carried a lot of weight in my life. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, his advice was that, you know, that if, if it's, looked right and felt right. And, and he was a good guy, you know, and we liked each other, you know, this, he presented it in such a way that I thought, well, maybe I'm, I have, maybe I have an expectation that's not real. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking there's supposed to be this heart fluttering, uh, head over heels, emotional feeling. And there wasn't, there just wasn't, um, my, I don't refer to him as my ex. And I don't refer to him as my first husband. I refer to him as my practice husband (laughs) because I am currently married and have been for almost 20 years. And so it's just a little thing that we say in our family. Um, But he's a good man. He still is a very good man. My story is a little different from other people's in that there was no kind of abuse. There was no kind of mistreatment. The best way I could describe it was we were good to each other. We liked each other as friends, but that was, that was basically all there was on my part. And I can't speak for him. Um, so I can't speak to his emotional connection and how he felt. Um, but I just thought that's what love was. I thought that's what relationship was. I, I, you know, my parents have been married for over 50 years now and they get along. They love, they care for each other. They honor each other. They love each other, but you know, we didn't see a lot of arguing growing up. We didn't see conflict. We didn't see um, overly affectionate. You know, there was hugs and kisses and I love yous and those kinds of things. But my parents didn't sit and hold hands in front of us or they just come from a different generation. You right. know? So I just thought, well, this is this is what it is. This is just what it is. And this is my lot in life. And now that I'm married, I can never get out of it. Right. Um, so that's how I felt. So at that point we had been married about six years and I had tried to express that in various ways with people, different people, including my family, my parents. Um, but you know, it was just not an option to divorce. It was just not. So it's okay. It's the enemy. You know, you're, it's just a hump you're going through some kind of hard thing you're going through. And, and so I was like, Oh, okay. And I was, I was disappointed. I was just disappointed that this was what marriage looked like. Right. It made me sad. 
Yeah. Um, and I can remember at about 23, 24, so we would have been married about five, almost six years. I was like, well, if I'm here, I want a baby. I want to have somebody to love and love me back. And I, if I'm going to be in this family and we're going to make a family, then I, I want to have children and I want to, you know, have a family. Yeah. So I had our oldest daughter um, at, um, I was 24 when she was born. So context why she's going to be 27 in April. Um, so anyways, but that didn't fix anything. After about two years, I realized that while I absolutely was happy to be a mom and did not regret that in the least bit. And I love being a mom. I loved being, a, I'm not your typical mom, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed <laughs> being a mom. I was just, I was crushed. I was still crushed, you know? Yeah. So we, um, we were growing apart big time. I was getting very agitated. Um, and you know, I, toward the end of our relationship, um, I got emotionally involved with another man and, um, we were already in the process of separating. Um, we yeah. hadn't officially separated yet, but we were already in that process. Of, but that just kind of pushed me over the edge. Like, okay, if I'm, you know, I, if I can have these feelings for someone else and have allowed it, um, then, you know, this is not healthy and this is not fair to him. Right. And so at that point I said to myself, I guess I would rather, if this is going to be a sin and I'm not going to ever be forgiven for it, if that's the case, I would rather show my daughter what happy and healthy and content looks like outside of the context of a relationship. Yeah. Stay single the rest of my life and risk going to hell <laughs> uh, than to stay here and be so incredibly miserable that we end up hating each other. We take it out on her right. and life just sucks. I mean, that's, that's the and only way to describe it. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad you brought that part, that perspective up because we don't always consider how our children see relationships. You know what I mean? And that was actually a big factor in my own divorce was she didn't, she, she wouldn't know what healthy looked like. And there was actually mostly like verbal abuse for mine. It wasn't physical. Um, and that was why I stayed as long as I did in my marriage because I thought it could be worse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but then he was still starting to treat her that way. Mm -hmm. And you know what I mean? And I didn't want her to think that was normal. And I didn't want her to think that the way our relationship was, which was very dysfunctional was normal. Sure. Yeah, Yeah, I get that. It's, um, it's a tricky line, right? Because uh, even to this day in the situation, in the life situation that I'm in being remarried, having another child, in this marriage and doing the blended family thing. And now we've got grand, a grandson and all, you know, the, the seasons keep moving. Yeah. I am still a huge proponent that if it can be worked out, it can be worked out. Yes. You know? Yes. Some and marriages I, can be saved. Correct. Um, and so there, there is that, um, there is that place where they can be. And so we don't, I don't ever want to approach it. And we teach our girls, you know, we don't ever want you to approach it lightheartedly, like, like you have an option right. to divorce, just try it out. Right. You know, that we still fully believe in the sanctity of that covenant relationship. And so make that decision with all the sober mindedness that you can, because it is a lifelong decision. Yes. And I would wish on no one what walking through a divorce looks like. And I consider walking through my divorce not having nearly the baggage yeah. that most people walk through. There was no custody battle. There was no fighting back and forth. We, we just, we just ended it. Yeah. And both of us took care of our daughter, you know, a week at his house, a week at my house. I mean, we just, we co-parented and did that as all the way up until she was 18. Yeah. Um, and you know, we, we just chose to do that. Did we always see eye to eye? No. Were there times that we probably got on each other's nerves? Absolutely. But we chose to, for her sake, yes, keep the continuity of that relationship, that parenting relationship intact so that we could parent her as well as possible in that situation. Yes. So we, 
we divorced. I left him when I was 27 because I realized once that emotional affair had kicked in that, oh, oh, you could be attracted to someone. You can have these feelings of, you know, wanting to be with someone. Like I had never experienced any of that to that degree. So that was very foreign to me. And I was like, what have I, what did I settle for? What, what is happening? And at this point, there was no um, reconciling our relationship. Um, We, we both were headed down different paths. And again, nobody was ugly to the other person. And in context of today, um, my practice husband and I have had many conversations in our own personal healing journeys of all the things that went wrong. Um, yes. But, you know, we just see differently. Um, and um, so God was gracious. Um, and I spent about five years on my own before I married Shannon, my husband. And um, I, I just, you know, I just was really angry at God. I was angry at church. I was angry at my family. I was angry at friends. I I mean, I was just angry in general because I felt so let down that I had trusted and believed in this process. And not only that, but in my Christian journey, and I felt like God had let me down. I felt like, you know, why did you let me (laughs) marry this guy if it was going to end this way? And and, and we're just, you know, we're free moral agents. He's not going to stop us from doing anything. He didn't stop Adam and Eve from eating the fruit in the garden. Exactly. Yeah. So he gives us, stop us, you know, yeah. but these are natural feelings that we have. Anytime they are. we walk through something very traumatic or very hard, like we want someone to control us so that we have a place to lay the blame, right? We need to have someone else that we can go, well, you said to do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so. So I spent five years just living as hard, the opposite as I could. Um, and just was like, okay, God, you know, I'm done, whatever. I'm just, I'm done. And in that five-year process, it was so weird. It was so weird that I probably experienced more of the grace of God and his love for me. Um, when I wasn't actively following him or pursuing him. Now, I don't, I'm not saying that people should walk away to experience that. I, again, wouldn't wish that on anybody. Yes. I think for me, because I came from a very legalistic background that I needed to see God's grace from a non-legalistic way. And so to show up in a conversation where I'm having with a friend at a bar and we're drinking. And, and this friend says to me, Oh, you used to be one of those Pentecostal people, right? Like you, you know, about Jesus and being saved and um, speaking in tongues. I mean, they just named all these things. And in that moment, I could feel like God, it, 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 like you would like, Oh, I recognize you're here, but it freaked me out because I wasn't following after him. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, I do. I had things like that happen all the time where I'd be like, this does not make sense in my head. This is not how I believed. This is not how I would have told you. I believed what being a Christian looked like, what being in relationship with God looked like. He was a very much a taskmaster. You know, he wasn't right. a loving father. Yeah. So he was showing me the loving father side. Hey, you're, you're not where I want you to be, but I sure do love you, Mary. I wish you would come back. Yes. I wish you would come back to me. Um, and so it just, that journey back to him in the latter part of those five years was just incredible. And, and not long after I decided to do that, um, uh, I knew my, I knew Shannon, my husband from just previous interactions, but we had never dated or weren't attracted to each other or anything, but God just did a really crazy work in both our lives. And we dated for about six months and got married and we celebrate 20 years this year, but we purposely decided to walk through heart healing. And so I don't know if you want to ask some specific questions about that, or you want me to, uh, um, 
talk I think about that or whatever. Just start by t- explaining what that is to the to the audience. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So we we believe and I teach and and my 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 education background is in Christian counseling and psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, but we believe that that we are a triune being, body, soul, and spirit. Yes. And God wants all three parts of those things to be as healthy as possible. Um, and so a lot of times we concentrate on one or two of them, but we don't always do a great job of concentrating on all three. And so what that might look like is, is you watch what you eat, you exercise, you take your meds, you do everything you can to keep your physical body in shape so that you are your healthiest for your family, for yourself, that you live longer you know, that you don't have all these repercussions from living a crazy lifestyle. We work on our spiritual man, obviously, because that is who God draws in and saves who we are salvation. And so our spirit man um, eventually will be the one that is reconciled back to God when we are raptured away and Jesus fixes all this stuff that's been happening. Um, And come quickly, (laughs) please. Um, I probably have said that more in the last few months, like come Lord Jesus, seriously, any day now. Um, but a lot of times what we don't focus on is our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Yes. That part of us gets hurt and wounded and damaged. Um, anytime that something happens to us as a person, church hurt, which could be also our spirit man. Um, physical abuse, sexual abuse, verbal abuse, our emotions, our mind, and our will also are wounded. And if we don't, so we call that heart healing because that's our heart. That's the heart of who we are. Yeah. If we don't work on making that part of us as healthy as possible, it doesn't matter how physically healthy we get or how close to Jesus we feel, we are still going to act out in our everyday lives from those wounded places or those um, skewed worldviews that we have because of the way we were treated when we were children or when we were younger. And so it's our responsibility to work on that part of us to be as healthy as possible. So that's what heart healing is. And in about probably about five years, six years into our marriage, um, Shannon and I had some moments where I really thought I was going to be divorced again. Oh yeah. Because you see we, and it doesn't matter whether it's a relationship that you just dated someone for a long time, but, or if it was someone you just slept with, um, but any relationship where we become connected in any kind of way, um, and we are there for any prolonged period of time, we carry that the results and the baggage of that relationship into the next one. If we don't deal with our part of what caused that relationship to collapse. That's right. Because there's never, it, it's, well, I'll say it this way. It's very rare that there is only one side to a divorce. That's right. I agree. I yeah. agree. It's very rare. It could be, it could happen, mm-hmm. but it's so rare that I typically say it takes two to get together and Mm -hmm. it takes two to walk away. And when you walk away, you both have contributed nine times out of 10 in various ways. Now there might be one that contributes more, Yes, but you're still going to walk away with some damage, with some misconstrued ideas, with some thoughts and belief systems that are not healthy. That's right. And then you'll go into your next relationship. And I kind of do this visual. I came into my relationship with Shannon carrying a suitcase full of clothes that I wore in my last relationship. And I thought I was just going to put the suitcase in the closet in the back of the closet and bury it. I even Mm -hmm. said, this is going to be different. We're not going to live like I lived before. We're going to communicate. We're going to love each other. We're going to it, what it takes to get me is what it takes to keep me. You know, like I had all this list of things that because of stuff that had failed in the first one, we aren't by God, we are not going, you know, like I was like, yeah, yeah. Right. (laughs) And, but over time I unpacked that suitcase 
and I'd pull out the piece of clothes. And instead of putting it back in the suitcase and saying, no, I don't wear that anymore. I'd hang it up in my closet. Mm -hmm. And from time to time, I would put that piece of clothes on. What, what could it be? Oh, you always, or you never, or it's always going to be this way. Or why do you talk to me like that? Or, and I'm not saying like those kinds of things or what, or I'm always going to be alone or no one's going to love me for me. I mean, you've got, there's just a slew of things that we pick up, right. In those relationships. And, and then you carry the baggage from your parental relationships mm-hmm. and you carry the baggage from friendships and church relationships and all of the things you've got this huge suitcase. And so about six years in, we ended up at a, a church in where we lived in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, we ended up at a church that really concentrated on this heart healing, or they call it inner healing or healing of the heart or restoration. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of different terms for it. Um, and so each of us individually just started unpacking that suitcase and saying things like, why do I have, why do I believe that? Why do I believe that if I make a bad decision, you're going to leave me Yeah, or you're not going to love me anymore? Where did that come from? Right. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to remind me where, where did I start believing that? And would you heal that? Would you heal that, that lie that I'm believing? And what do you say, God? What do you say to me instead of that lie? What truth should I be believing? You know, yes. and it's a journey. It's not a one and done thing. It's not like uh, taking an ibuprofen and your headache is gone. It's, you know, five steps forward and two steps back and a lot of over communicating with each other. Like just saying, hey, when you said that thing, this is how I heard it. Yes. This is how it made me feel. That's the key too, is because that open communication, but also that recognition that your the way you're interpreting things is not always reality. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of times we don't, um, and it's, it's learning and this is the beauty of, so this is, this is what my takeaway is from my marriage now. And this is, this is where we are in the process. We are, there is, I'm probably going to get emotional. Sorry. So. I, I don't want to do anything in my marriage that would hurt my husband's heart Yes, because, because it's not worth it. He doesn't want to do anything in the relationship that would hurt my heart. We have said to each other here, you get to hold my heart. I trust you. I trust that you're going to take good care of it. And I trust that you're going to take good care of it. And so we basically have just said, I'm going to believe the best about you. Yes. When you snap at me, because we all still have bad days, right? We have moments and let's talk about menopause. Oh my gosh. Um, so we all have those moments and I have to, I have to consciously choose, you know what, instead of assuming that you're just being a jerk right now, mm-hmm. I'm going to assume that you've had a bad day somewhere and something's happened. and so. Hey, what's going on? Why yeah. are you so edgy? Are you upset with me? No, I'm sorry. Oh my gosh, something happened at work and blah, blah, blah. And I've been thinking about it in my head. And, and so a lot of times in relationships, it's about that healing comes when we choose to believe the best about each other. Yes. And we don't give each other our leftovers. Oh, I like that. You know, I don't yeah. ring myself out with my kids with my work, with our church folks, Mm -hmm. I don't pour, pour, pour out of myself and then get home and go, what? Like, I don't have, I don't even feel like talking to you right now. I'm so peopled out. Like I've just been giving, giving, giving. So here's what I've got left for you. And and he gets my scraps. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's just not how it works. He is outside of Jesus. He is my main thing over my kids. Yes. That's something I think. Yeah. It's very easy to get that priority list out of perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is because you, it's, it's a weird feeling, right? When you have children, you're like, oh, this baby is a part of my body. This I've made this child. This child has come out of me. I've nurtured this child. I'm caring for this child. I would kill to protect this child. But at the end of the day, 
when God created family, he created husband and wife first. He did not create the children first. And there is a hierarchy of sorts that we experience in family. My dad used to say this to me all the time and I would laugh at him, but he said it to all of us kids. Hey, I've only got one of your mom. <laughs> I can make more of y'all. He would just tease us all the time. She yeah. is my priority. Not, yeah. I love you guys. And we knew our dad would die for us. We knew our dad and mom would do, we had a great family life growing up. So it was never a thought, oh my gosh, dad pays more attention to mom or, oh my gosh, dad pays more attention to me than he does my mom. You know what I'm saying? It just wasn't like that. My dad very much reminded us kids all the time that when we were gone, she would still be there. You know, when you leave home, she's still going to be here. And so I think that's important that we do remember that because I don't want to end up in an empty house with my husband and not know him. So working on all of these things and keeping those lines of communication over open and owning up when you've screwed up, you know, just say you're sorry. Yes, exactly. Don't. Here's the deal. I'd rather preserve a relationship with him than be right all the time. Yes. And that doesn't mean I'll let him walk all over me. It doesn't mean that he takes advantage of that again, because we trust each other's heart. Yes. But sometimes I could argue a point to the nth degree and I like it and I enjoy a good argument. I enjoy the banter back and forth, but sometimes I just, it's not worth it. Okay, babe, I'm so sorry. I think I did put that over there, but I'm not going to push the, push the thing, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think it's, I think, I think if we concentrated on getting rid of some of those b- bad belief systems and getting rid of some of those stinking, thinking kind of things that we have about relationships and approaching them from a healthier standpoint and asking Jesus to help us be more like him. Yes, exactly. Then, That's the goal. Yeah. Then, then our earthly relationships are better. They're not perfect. We're human, but they're better, you know? Yes. Oh, I just love all of that so much. (laughs) So I I have to tell you my, um, I love that you brought up the analogy of unpacking the baggage because one of the best teachers that I ever had when I was going through college, this is more than 10 years ago. So it's been a while. And, uh, but I remember him talking about that exactly. Like this is a sociology class. Yeah. And he was talking about how all of us are given whatever it is that we grew up with, whatever it is that our parents taught us, that our church taught us, that our schools taught us. And we have the responsibility of unpacking that baggage. Some of it is good beliefs. Yeah, absolutely. And some of it is garbage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we, we have that task of, of dividing between it and deciding what is good and honorable and true. Mm-hmm. And, and what we need to just get rid of. So. Yeah. And I think that, I think that in that any children you have in your home that are under, you know, 10, 12 years old, somewhere in that, just before they can really start cognitively thinking of those kinds of things. So it may be even 15 or 16, I don't know, but you, it is our responsibility as parents to clean up as much of the junk in our lives so that we don't pass that same baggage because we will. Exactly. You yeah. will. Um, you might do something better than your parents did or not go down a path your parents went down, but then that extreme can also cause baggage. That's right. Of its own, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think it's our responsibility to create a healthy environment where, where our children can see that we are continually working on becoming healthier. And I mean, there has been so many times I've looked at my kids and gone, I am so sorry. I really got that wrong. Yes. Being able to apologize. But at the same time also saying, Hey, we're doing this because this is, you're my responsibility right now. And, and when you get older, if you choose not to do this, then, then you can, and you can work through that however you need to. But, but right now you are my responsibility and, and I'm, this is the path we're taking and this is why we're taking it. And, You know, so I think that, I think that just being able to talk, man, communication, we just don't communicate well, right? We, we we talk to be heard. Yes. Instead of to listen. Yeah. Yeah. And, And if you're not really listening, 
That means you're already formulating something in your head while that person's talking and you really don't hear their heart. That's right. So you just go off on a tangent and it causes a whole nother, you know, um, cycle. And, And that's just one more piece of clothing that you have to decide if you're going to keep or you're going to throw away. That's right. Yeah. 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 So for you, how long do you think it took to really unpack mm-hmm. at least, I mean, it's probably an ongoing process, sure. <laughs> but well, God, um, God is gracious. You know, he, yes. he, I think if we unpacked it all immediately, it would kill us because right. it's years and years of packing it in. Right. Right. Um, I would say that probably it took two years of real intense digging in. So I would, I would meet with someone. We had some people at our church who would sit with me and we would spend an hour or so a week. And we would talk about uh, like pastoral counseling. You know, we would talk about, well, why do you act like that? Mary, when you get in this situation, why do you act this way? Well, I didn't even know I did that. Okay. Well, I do that because, okay, well, why do you do that? You know, those kinds of conversations. Why do you, why are you, why do you lean toward being negative so often? Or why do you look at the worst in a situation? Or why do you feel like if you make a bad decision, someone's going to leave you? Mm -hmm. So we just spent a lot of time, I would say probably two years of real intense, uh, consistent talking about it. But then once I learned how to recognize some of those glitches, then uh, some of the things I could do myself, I could go, what? why in the world am I acting like that? Every time this thing happens, huh? I wonder why I do that. Okay. Well, what does that make me feel like? And I just kind of start walking Well, Jesus. Why do I do that? Did something happen to me when I was a kid or, and it's not necessarily navel gazing. Like I'm not always walking around 24 seven going, Oh, something must be wrong with me. Oh, I need to work on something. Oh, that's why I'm acting like that. Something's wrong. You know, it's, it's just being aware. So I'd say a couple of years. And then it was just this intermittent seasons, little seasons, a month here, a couple of months here, or if something triggered me and I would be like, oh, wow, why did I have that visceral reaction? That was not right. Like what, what caused that, you know, that sort of thing. But I still do it to this day. Like I, I still periodically will call someone and that I trust and, and I'll just say, Hey, I've been, feeling this way lately? Could we just chat and let me kind of verbally process it out and see if you feel or hear anything that I'm not hearing? Yeah. A lot of times we don't realize we're saying stuff, right? That's right. Um, So, and and then of course, Shannon and I are real good about recognizing it in each other. And we just have given each other permission. There's, there's no secrets in our family anymore. We don't do secrets. Yes. I think that's more important than people realize because when you have anything that's buried in the dark, that you're not dealing with. That's where Satan has power. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is the most freeing thing in our relationship to know that we don't have secrets. Yeah. And so Shannon and I will periodically say to one another, Hey, we use this phrase. How's your heart? How are you feeling? You know, you've, you've seemed a little quiet lately or where you, where you at? What's going on? Oh yeah. I was trying to internally work it out and we, we end up talking it out. If it's something that it feels like I need to talk to another girl about, you know, yeah. then I will do that and him vice versa with a guy. Um, but, but for the most part, we can recognize it with one another. And, and now it's kind of like, yeah, there are still levels that I work through from time to time, some layers like a garden or an onion that you peel back like a layer at a time. Yeah. But for the most part, I would say that it's more just living life now than than doing that. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a part of the healing process too, is that, you know, in the beginning, especially when you start, it's just so much more intensive and so more painful. Yes. I call it brutal, but good. goes on. Yeah. Right. (laughs) As time goes on, when you're more healed, you can recognize the things and you can, you know, almost even circumvent your own false thinking before it comes out of your mouth. (laughs) And yeah. And then it gets proved. Yeah. It's so good. It's, um, it's, uh, it, you know, you will, I will guarantee you two things. When, when we live a lifestyle of forgiveness, where we are quick to forgive, 
you know, we walk or we're, or we are at least walking through forgiveness. If someone has really hurt us, we are proactively walking toward forgiveness, which does not always mean reconciliation or restoration of a relationship, but internally we're only hurting ourselves when we hold on to unforgiveness. When we're doing that, when we are communicating, when we are actively staying in relationship with people in a healthy way and with God, then we don't have to necessarily sit around and navel gaze and try to figure out everything that's wrong with us. We stay in such close communion with each other and with God that it's just a natural for God or someone or yourself to go, huh, that, that doesn't feel quite right. Right. Why did I, why did I do that? Or, Hey babe, why did you say you're always failing at this? Why did you say you're always failing? You don't always fail. Why are you saying that? Like, you know? Yeah. So it's just, and it makes for healthier bodies, healthier spirits, healthier rest. I mean, just in general, the level of peace that you will carry and exude is off the charts because you're just not striving anymore. You're not angsty. You know, it's, it's just so good. I don't know why anybody doesn't want to walk through it because it's just so good. I mean, he's, he's so kind to us to, to help us walk through that. He's such a good father and uh, he wants he wants us to be healthy. You know, he, he, he wants to love us as a father. He wants to nurture us like a mom. You know, Jesus even said in the new Testament, Oh, Israel, I would love to gather you up like a hen and gathers her chicks under her wings. That's such a mama, you know, I want to comfort you, but you won't let me, you know, and, and I feel like that's what he desires. If we are in relationship with him and we stay close, you know, it, he wants to pull us up under his shadow of his wing, under his feathers, there's safety, right? There's, um, he wants to, to be that for us and, to and to parent us, um, so that we can reparent and, and parent well as well, you know, each that's other, right. ourselves, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's several reasons why we end up um, kind of trying to avoid dealing with things. (laughs) Um, Probably the first and foremost is fear. Yeah, because we are afraid it's going to hurt. And it is. So that's not a wrongly based fear, but it's it's it has the wrong focus because we're thinking that we're in it alone. Yeah. And we're not. Nope. Yeah, we're thinking that there's not even a purpose behind it. And there yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think if you just push past that initial fear, you and you see some results, then you can it's kind of like that. Um, you know, if you go exercise, it's gonna wear you out, but you felt good after. So you want yeah. to do it again, even though <laughs> you're gonna be sore. Yeah. Uh, it's the same kind of concept, right? It's it's Oh, no dredging this up is gonna be painful, but man, I felt so light the last time after I let that out of the dark That's right. and it, and all that power just got released from it. And I didn't, it didn't have a hold on me anymore. Now I just need to process through it. You know, it's, it gets easier to walk those things out. Once you kind of go through the first couple of really hard ones, because you just know that the results are so worth it. They're just, it's brutal, but it's good. You know? Yes. At times it is brutal. Yeah. I think we're also afraid that fear also comes in. It did for me, at least is that I thought healing of the heart meant that it was going to change my personality and change who I was. And so I wouldn't like me oh. healed up me because I'd never seen it. Right. I don't know what that's going to look like. Right. And I thought that that's what that meant but I'm still a strong personality. I still have my sense of humor. I'm still snarky. You know, (laughs) all the things that I liked about me, I still have, but I'm also, I'm also more compassionate and I'm also less judgy and not as negative as I used to be and not as striving and anxious and just fearful, you know? And, and so, you know, you, you're not going to lose yourself. It's you're going to enhance when it's, we also call healing of the heart, a sanctification process. 
Yes. And, and sanctification obviously is this gradual press toward holiness that we are sanctifying ourselves. We are being sanctified by Holy Spirit to become more like Jesus. If you look at the, the definition of sanctification, it is um, in one of the dictionaries, I think it's like a theological dictionary says, it is when the, the object is being used for its original intended purpose. So a pen is sanctified when I'm writing with it. My glasses are sanctified when I've got them on my eyes and I'm using them to look, to increase my vision or clarify my vision. Yeah. We are being sanctified so that we are becoming what God originally designed for what his original design for us is. Amen. And, and we have to, we have to walk that out. We can't just scoot through life with all the stuff and expect to be expect to be fully alive in him and fully alive in what he's called us to do and how we were designed and created to be and fully alive in our relationships. Yes. Yeah. And I, I heard at some point in the past, somebody said that um, when God is fully sanctifying you, you become the more you than you've ever been. Before. Ever been. Yes. yes. You become the you that he thought of before you were ever formed, when he knew you before you were in your mother's womb and he saw you, that's who you are becoming. Amen. Not, not the broken parts. No. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I can uh, talk about this stuff all day, girl. Me too. This yes. is wonderful. <laughs> I love it. I love it so, so very much. Um, I don't, I am curious though. So when you and your husband were going through this time together, um, how did that part of your relationship shift things? Yeah. Were when we were going through the healing, healing at the same time. Uh, yeah. Sort of. I started first because I was the more, I was the one causing the most problems probably in the relationship. <laughs> I hate even admitting that. Good <laughs> for you for being able to admit it. <laughs> I had, we had had a, a few things happen in our family. Um, and this was right around when the market tanked in 08. Yeah. So we both had lost our jobs. We had just bought a new house. Um, and uh, just all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, in that process, we had to move his mom into our house with us to care for her. And we had a, a two-year-old. Um, we had the blended family situation with my 12-year-old at the time, because there was 10 years difference between the girls. Yeah. Um, so there was just this hodgepodge cooking pressure cooker of things happening. And what ended up happening was, is I just turned into this very bitter. Well, here's the deal. When you're in a pressure cooker, what happens? Everything that's not supposed to be in there gets kind of pushed to the top. Right. Yeah. Yes. And so, and the only way to get it dealt with is unfortunately it has to come out. And so I was just, a, I was a horrible person. I was so bitter. I was so angry at life, at God, the whole situation. Um, I have my mother-in-law is a great person, but I don't want to live with my, you know what I mean? I don't want to live with my parents. I don't want to live with my mother-in-law. We had a new house. We have a baby. Um, just all the things we just lost our jobs. How are we going to pay for everything? Right. Um, and so it, it was just this pressure cooker. And so I just became this very bitter, very jealous, very, oh, angry person. And my husband was like, and we started going to this church that taught about being healed. Well, they were in such a, a loving environment that it just graded everything in me because I was so anti that. Yes. And so we got to this point that we had to make a decision. Either we were going to dive in and embrace this healthy heart thing, or we were going to say, go find another church because there was no fringe hanging out on the fringes of it at all. Yeah. Um, and so he, he said to me one day, he was like, you you've got to do something. This is miserable. We're not going to make it. Yeah. And, and that scared me. Yeah. Because I didn't want to divorce again. I didn't want to fail again. And, and I was like, oh. so I begrudgingly started my healing journey because I was doing it just to keep my marriage together. I, 
I wasn't doing it because I wanted to be the healthiest me. I was doing it because I was scared to death. I was going to be by myself again. And I didn't want to do that. Right. Um, So once I started doing that, I started and really dove in because that's just my personality. I'm either all in or I'm all out. And so there was, a okay, you want me to do this? We're going to meet weekly. I'm going to take all the classes. I'm going to do all the things. I'm going to get overly involved. I'm going to, because I thought I was going to be able to get it done in a couple of weeks. (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) tell me exactly how many times we got to do this and be done with it, you know, and it's just not that way. It's not that kind of process. But so I started doing that and, um, God started really healing some things in me. And before I realized it, probably six months to a year in, um, I was even recognizing that things in my household that would agitate me or things that I typically would be upset about didn't bother me or they didn't bother me as much. And then Shannon started making comments like, honey, you're so much more peaceful and loving and you're doing such a good job with this stuff, it's working. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's working. It's, it really is. And so once you recognize, it's kind of like when you lose weight, right? Once you see a few pounds come off, you're like, Oh, (laughs) sure. I'll eat vegetables for the rest of my life. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. I'll, I'll, you know, be healthy eating and no more Twinkies. Sure. (laughs) Um, so it's kind of that same feeling. It was like, Oh, okay. So what else do I need to, and then because he was seeing changes. He was like, okay, what do I need to do to contribute to this relationship? Uh-huh. Um, but if truth be known, he threw me to the wolves first. So let's just, let's just <laughs> yeah. tell it for what it is. You know, right. you go, you go check it out first. <laughs> see if it works. We tease about that all the time, but yeah, so it, it, I got involved first. And then, you know, when we noticed that, you know, I, I mean, as the wife, I really, I really can control the atmosphere of my home. I can either choose to be a thermometer or I can be a thermostat. Yes. Right. And uh, so for a long time, I was a thermometer. That old saying, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy was legitimately true. Because I could make your life miserable. Uh If I'm going to be miserable, everybody in the whole house is going to be miserable with me because (laughs) that's not fair that, you know. But when you become the thermostat and you're like, you realize it's not a control thing. It's not a power thing. It's just, I think it's the way God designed us as females and in the context of family, you know, we tend to keep things together. We tend to be the ones to say, Hey, we're not going to panic. It's going to be all right. We're going to get through this crisis. That's right. You know what? let's watch a movie tonight. Or we really do control the atmosphere in our home. And so I just noticed that life was so much better when it was more peaceful in our home. Yes. That I just chose that I wanted to maintain that peaceful atmosphere as much as I possibly could. So whatever I needed to do for me in order to bless my family, then that's what I wanted to do. And then everybody else started getting on board and it was great. That's great. Yeah. 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 Another thing I want to um, bring back that you mentioned way earlier, okay. um, you said how you felt like at first when you left your practice marriage, <laughs> that, um, that God was not going to forgive you. And, you know, you were just gonna, if you had to be that way for the rest of your life, then so be it. Yeah. So when did you realize the truth about that? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, it took me a while, I think, I think that um, when I I realized probably right before Shannon and I got together, I think I started thinking about it more and looking at it more. I realized, huh, I, I did. I, I, I can specifically remember the day on my couch that I was like, Jesus, I'm so sorry that I, I got divorced. I know that is, a, I know that hurt your heart. That is not what, you know, I use that phrase, hurt your heart. I know that's a sin. I know that's not what you wanted for my life. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I jumped the gun and got married and did not take that relationship serious enough to be more sober minded before I stepped into it. Because I'll be honest, if I had, if I had taken a moment and just said to, even to my dad, just said, dad, I just don't know that I really like him. Mm-hmm. I think, I think I better not do that, you right. know, but I just was afraid. What if I do end up by myself? What if I, 
what if I never get married? Oh my gosh. You know, what if I, what if this is the way it's supposed to feel and, but it's not and, or whatever, you know, I just was, I was young. I don't know how else to say it. Right. But I remember that I just asked God to forgive me and that, that if he ever allowed me to marry again, and if it was okay to marry again, that that would never be an option and that I would enter into marriage way more sober-mindedly and that I would know that I would know that that's, this is the path I was supposed to take. And then I would stick it out until my dying day. It would just not be an option short of abuse or some, you know what I mean? Because to me, to me, God can reconcile anything. He can. I, be, I completely that, believe that. And I'm yeah. also a divorced Christian. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and I completely know believe that there are horrible things out there. I know there are horrible people out there and, but God could turn people around and turn relation. I've seen it with my own eyes. I have seen people who have been divorced for 15 and 20 years because of abuse and different things. I've seen God wreck that guy and that girl and get a hold of them and they have gotten healing and and God has restored their relationship. It's crazy stuff. I have seen yes. it. So yeah. I know it can happen. I also know there are times it doesn't. That's right. And that's okay too. Right? It is okay too. Yeah. Um, so I think that I think that God can ultimately reconcile. And because I believe that way, then I believe that in my marriage right now, there is nothing that is not forgivable. That's right. It doesn't mean it's going to hurt. We, we might not separate. We might need to take some time apart to work on something if something really bad happened. But it doesn't mean that it has to be over. That's right. And so, I, I, you know, I just determined at that point that I was going to stick it out no matter what. Yeah. And, and you know, my husband had to, had to come to his own journey with that as well. We, we have faced some really hard times in our relationship and it, he came from, his parents were divorced growing up. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he saw that already at a young age at eight where yeah. I never saw that. My parents are still married. We didn't have that in our family. I was the first person to divorce in my family. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't have that background. So he brought his own baggage into the relationship that he had to process through as far as what divorce looked like or what was forgivable or not. You know, he had to work through his own things, but we both approach all of our counseling with married couples and people in turmoil and with each other that there's no out. There's just no out. Right. Yeah. 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 I think I answered your question. Did I answer your question? Yes, you okay. did. <laughs> um, so we are coming up on the end of our hour. Is there yeah. anything else that you'd like to say to my audience? Oh, you know, I would just like to say that I would just want people to be encouraged. You know, it's I know, I know that relationships are hard. On a good day, they can be hard. Um, but you choose relationship, you know, you, you get up and you choose to be present. <clears throat> you choose to love, you choose to think the best about someone you choose to be honoring and faithful. Um, just like you choose to put on pants or shorts. I mean, it's a choice you make and the feelings come and go the, it, the highs and the lows of the emotional state of love and lust and all of the things. They're cyclical. They come and go. They, they wax and wane. They, they are really strong, kind of not so strong, you know, but just be encouraged that if both of you want, if you're, if you're divorced right now, if you've gone through a divorce right now, there is hope. There is hope. Yes. And, and if you will take this time, this was the best advice my dad gave me was Mary, don't rush into getting married again, really fast. <laughs> if you will take this time and work on yourself and say, what did I contribute in my past relationships? That was not, what was the common denominator of things that always seem to go wrong in every relationship I had? Because if there's a common denominator, chances are it's something inside of you that you just didn't recognize you were doing right. Um, work on that, work on being your healthiest version so that when God brings someone along, that is a potential mate for you, that you can really say that you are giving them 
the lightest suitcase possible in the relationship. You know, you're not yes. dragging in a whole house with you. You <laughs> got one little satchel of stuff you're still working on versus trunks. Yes. You know, and I just think that that's important and just don't rush life. It's, it's okay. Don't rush. Yeah. Don't rush just because you're afraid of being alone. Jesus is with us and he can be everything to you that you ever need. He wants to be. Amen. And no marriage is going to ever fill that space. That's right. I don't care how good they are. Yep. God it has to be that top. Has to. Base. He has yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right, Mary, um, where can people find you? <laughs> if well, they're yeah. more. Yeah, absolutely. They can find me. Um, I have a podcast that I'm a host of. It's called the Back 40 Podcast, where we talk about navigating spiritual, emotional, and physical health in the second half of life. So after the age of 40, you don't have to be 40 to listen to it, but all of my guests are always over, usually over 40. Um, and we just talk about all the things we talk about empty nesting and grief and losing a spouse and menopause and grandkids and starting new careers and all the things. Um, you can find me there, the back 40 podcast.com or on social media. It's at the back 40 podcast. And then I have a website, maryhess.com as well, that I occasionally blog at, but not as much anymore. So you probably see more activity on the back 40. Uh, but you can find me on social media at Mary Jo Hess. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so very much for Absolutely. coming and talking with me and my audience today. It was a pleasure, Lori. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Voice for the Hurting. You can follow me on Instagram for more inspiring content at Voice for the Hurting Podcast or check out the website at avoiceforthehurting.com. If you or someone you know is experiencing a divorce or has gone through one and knows that they need to heal, please check out my book on Amazon called Surviving the Shattered Heart, The Christian's Companion for Healing After Divorce. It is available February 28th of 2023.